apples, known for being red, famous for being yellow or green also. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why apples are secretly incredibly fascinating. Hey there, folks. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm very much not alone. I'm joined by my co-host, Katie Golden. Katie, hi. Hello. Hi, that's me. She kept it very brief because we are joined by wonderful guests we want to talk to, too. You know them from many things, such as our pals at Maximum Fun, The Flop House. Please welcome Dan McCoy and Stuart Wellington. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, it's going good. Thanks yeah, for having us. It's going well. I was just fact checking in my head. I'm like, do people know us for many things or mostly just that one thing that you mentioned? But I mean, it depends on who the person is. Yeah. I mean, my, yeah, <laughs> like my your wife parents know you from being their kid or husband. Yeah, that's true. There are various people specifically out there who may know us in other functions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm primarily a philosopher, so I try to be as universal and global with oh, stands as I can, cool. right? Okay. Like, what yeah, about yeah. parents? What about the Lord above, right? There's so <laughs> many ways. <laughs> Do we even know that other people are conscious? Great question. That's, we, there's no way of They're proving it. They're all NPCs, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a healthy outlook. Mm -hmm. They for exist sure. to give me stuff. It's very... I see the world as incredibly transactional, but that's a topic for a different podcast. <laughs> Stuart, these people don't know you. Stop. Oh, no. Stop poisoning the well. Stop doing bits. <laughs> this is a purely serious podcast. There's no, mm -hmm. no bits allowed. Okay. <laughs> well, and Dan or Stuart, why don't you go first? But we always start with folks' relationship to the topic or opinion of it. Uh, this topic was selected by Chris on the Discord with support from lots of other folks. Thank you all. Uh, but how do y'all feel about apples, the topic today? So despite being perhaps the kind of number one fruit that I think people would be like, think of a fruit, like, like there's so much oh, yeah. <laughs> stuff with an apple, you know, whether Certainly it be Western people. Yes, I think yes. it might be a little different in sure, other countries. Sure, sure. Certainly. We think globally around here. But like <laughs> the, the sort of uh, traditional, like. Uh, image of the Garden of Eden apple, the Sir Isaac Newton apple, the sure. shooting an arrow off of someone's head apple, mm -hmm. uh, William Tell, the uh, the Johnny Appleseed. There's a lot of didn't didn't Odin trade an apple for knowledge? <laughs> I don't know whether you're lying or not. I don't it's know more that. Bits. I'm just doing bits. Okay. I would say my relationship to apples is uh, as a well, fruit. Well, I, I mean, would you say... can just jump in. Oh yeah, okay. You stopped talking for a second. That gave me an opportunity <laughs> to jump in. No, my point was like I think that despite it being like sort of the er fruit for a lot of people, it is one of my least favorite fruits to eat. It's it's fine in a pastry sometimes, uh, but even there, I would like Dan, other things. Better. Dan is a baker. Everybody, just yeah. to let everyone know. Now, 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 Stuart, I'm sorry. You, you, please. <laughs> Thank you for apologizing to me for when I interrupted you. <laughs> uh, I would say as a fruit, I would say it's a mid-tier fruit. Mm. Uh, and as a system of measurement, I think it is inaccurate. You're talking about Smurfs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <What is> there? <laughs> there are a certain number of, there are what, three, three apples, apples high, that's, yeah. That's wild. Oh. What? 
I mean, I've seen Smurfs compared to Gargamel. How how big are the apples? <laughs> Maybe they're crab apples? Maybe. Yeah. When you said um, measurement, I thought it was going to be some kind of word problem about bushels of apples. Like, Tom has three bushels of apple, and then we're into math class. We're comparing them to oranges. Yeah. And, and uh, let's see, uh, as uh, apple bottom jeans, I'm okay. a fan. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Follow-up question, boots with the fur? Oh, yeah, thumbs up. Whole club would be looking at me. <laughs> yeah, like, Katie, how about you? How do you feel about apples? All I can think of now is Liz Truss's speech about apples she gave, where she spent roughly 20 minutes of airtime talking about how sad it was that there weren't enough British apples. Um, <laughs> yeah, these these apples of 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 Newton, Isaac Newton, and British Love apples, and then, and then it was over. It was over for her. That was it. She spent her entire prime ministership being sad about apples. Now, was so, this, like, thinly veiled xenophobia yes is that the point of it okay. yes it was yeah mm-hmm. now have apples consistently been a uh a uh like synonymous with that kind of thing what kind of thing i don't know <laughs> like, xenophobia xenophobia, <laughs> xenophobia. maybe <laughs> to we'll me they're synonymous today, with mealiness and i realize that okay yeah that's yeah, mostly okay. because when I was a kid, I think it was the heyday of the Red Delicious, which was uh, designed to mm. look like the perfect apple. <laughs> Charitably <taste> named. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Red. I remember we're not supposed to swear. You can bleep. We, we won't get way into it. But yeah, the Red Delicious story, it turns out they were sort of red and yellow striped apples. And then they bred them to look like a cartoon red apple that to me tastes much worse. Yeah. Yeah. So that tastes makes sense. like water and sand. That's roughly <laughs> apple shaped. Mm-hmm. I have very strong opinions uh, about apples in terms of flavor. I'm sure we're going to get into that, Alex. But yeah, I have. I definitely have like a favorite apple type, and I don't. I don't want to spoil it in case we're going to talk about the Let's best apple around. in Let's the world. Let's go around. Let's go around. What's everybody's favorite? We got. Yeah, we yeah. got favorite apples. Okay, so mine is uh, Sweet Tango. Okay, but it's the name That's of the new, apple right? is a little bizarre. Yeah, it's a new one. People just making up apples around here. <laughs> I, can't, I can't recall like, which one's the best, but I remember having fond feelings about a Fuji, a Pink Lady, uh, some Macintoshes I think are good. But uh, Now we're talking about ladies. Yeah. I don't understand. Our tasty ladies. <laughs> uh, my, I, honestly, I have no, like, I think, I kind of think all apples taste the same. <laughs> Uh, but my <laughs> wife really likes Honeycrisp, and she will eat Honeycrisp apples exclusively. If I bring the wrong kind home, she knows it immediately and is mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> well, because she's correct. They don't all taste this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it is definitely partly psychological. My favorite is Fuji, but I think it's because I think about a beautiful mountain in Japan. And then I also mm. like Brayburn. But I think about it being from New Zealand, which and like the Lord of the Rings aerial shots of New Zealand. You know, mm-hmm. it's just all like travel documentary reasons or why I like various apples. Hey, that's fair. You can imagine you're eating Mount Fuji. Yeah, yeah. around <laughs> the world in 80 apples. I get it. <laughs> and uh, and so I a little bit picked you guys because the bonus show is all about Johnny Appleseed, which will have a movie element. Uh, but also oh. you're in New York City. Ah, the nickname mm-hmm. of New York City, the Big Apple, thrilling, great. Mm-hmm. Even though none yep. of us call it that day to day ever living here. Uh, <laughs> what <laughs> is this? A, will you get into it? I'm not sure how 
this nickname came about. Uh, yeah, I wanted to find out, so we looked into it, and that's the, the first thing. Oh, yeah. great. Oh, great. Ask and answered, or will Is be. it a big apple? Yeah, yeah, it's, if you dig deep enough <laughs> Biologically, under the, yeah, yeah. yeah, if you dig deep enough under the subway so you find apple meat. <laughs> <laughs> I call it the giant peach in honor of that peach that fell in the middle of the city and uh, had all those bugs in it. Yes. It, yep. That's that would be appropriate. Yeah. And all, had all those bugs in it. And a kid. I have a right visceral, there. visceral memory of that movie of peach juice just viscously landing on people in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was just their life. Man. Uh, the city was kids. sticky for months afterwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many ants. When that nickname origin, it's one of many stats and numbers this week. On every episode, that's our first fascinating thing. A quick set of fascinating stats and numbers. Mm. This week, that's in a segment called... Do the Statsio. Swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go do the Statsio. He does He does this every week. <laughs> I've heard some episodes. I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, despite, you can't stop despite him. Our you reaction can't beg to... with him. <laughs> so on our podcast, there's occasional made-up songs that take, I don't know, 20 minutes? Uh, and that was nice and short, so that was great. I love it. I mean, it. I also often wander around the apartment, uh, my apartment, uh, singing the Mario theme song. and uh-huh. But, you know, using the Super Mario Super Show uh-huh. lyrics where it's like take one step and then again let's do the mario yeah, which is what together. he was kind of doing right yeah <laughs> why don't you ever do that for karaoke by the way <laughs> I, I keep looking for it they don't yeah, have i was it gonna say reason. i feel like that's um it would, would not surprise me you just bring your own machine to the bar they're like oh wow this guy <laughs> it's ready yeah that uh, that suggestion was from balls inferno on the discord thank you balls inferno and we have a new name for this segment every week. Please make a miscellaneous wacky and bad as possible. Submit through Discord or to sifpod at gmail.com. <laughs> the, the first number this week is 1924, because that's the approximate year when writer John J. Fitzgerald popularized the nickname The Big Apple for New York City. 1924. John J. Fitzgerald is a very 1924 name. Yeah, mm-hmm. he probably wore knickers. I'm imagining mm-hmm. knickers or something. Probably has some Spats. messed up politics. <laughs> <laughs> probably a wee bit racist. So he, uh, his main thing, it turns out, he was a sports writer and specifically for horse racing. Mm. Uh, and this well, first I know year... horses like big apples for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. is there clarity on why he picked an apple, or is it just a thing that he said? <laughs> Was Fitzgerald a horse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like it was legitimately because he was around horses a lot and they like apples was part of it. But the origin is he used this phrase, the big apple, as a slang term for the biggest horse race and for the race where the most money can be won. And then in a column in 1924, he just expanded the metaphor to which U.S. cities are important. And he wrote that, quote, there's only one big apple. That's New York. Yeah. And so it was a weird horse racing writer gave it to the city. That's also where Chicago got its nickname, the mid-sized plum. 
<laughs> I do like that. It's just because he spent so much time around horses, he kind of just absorbed horse culture and all he could talk about was apples, yeah. you know, called his wife, oh, my little sugar cube. It's like, mm-hmm. please, you're spending too much time with the horses. Mm-hmm. Nay. <laughs> Nay, I'm not. Nay, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, and the, the source there is the book Apple, A Global History by journalist and radio producer Erica Janik. Uh, but she says that from there, the nickname caught on, especially because of a 1970s New York City tourism campaign where they explicitly called it the Big Apple in marketing and promo and stuff. Oh, uh, was it one of those things where like people are trying to do like a retro thing? It's like when a bar is like, I want to name myself after, I don't know, Henry Hudson's ship, the uh, half moon or some crap. Like is that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, should... oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This hipster just came in and is trying to like rename the city. But, based on... but it was said back in the 20s. So it actually makes sense. I sort of yeah. figured that if it was in the 70s, they just didn't want to be like, hmm, what should we the big uh, sort of pool of of prostitution and sex shows. Yeah, 70s uh... New York was so much better. (laughs) Right. The big central square that's just pornography theaters. No, that doesn't work. (laughs) Uh, Okay, okay. The big police person just punched you in the face. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Still true. (laughs) The, uh, yeah, the... To think that one day that square of uh, sex shows would just all be M&M stores and whatnot. It's yeah. wild. So still <laughs> sex shows. Still sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still sexy. That green one, am I right? <laughs> Not if the wokes change it, right? Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Ah. Yeah. Trying to take our sexy M&Ms away. <laughs> the wokes are making it hard for me to visualize having sex with an M&M, and I am up. Set. You could put the green M&M in a diving bell and I would still be down. <laughs> She's just got that kind of energy. Dan. No, That's no, I was, I was trying to picture a, a, a diving bell. I got there. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll pull it up on my phone. Yeah. I, I brought up the 1920s. It primed us to think diving bells. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perambulators, etc. Yeah. Uh, next number here, very simple, it is two, because apples are the second most popular fruit in the United States by consumption. Apparently, Americans eat about 17 pounds of apples per year on can, average. Can we guess the number one? Is that... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, is yeah. It, is it bananas? It is. Good guess. Ugh. Yeah, bananas. Mm, yeah. That's that is. <sighs> bananas. <laughs> Wait a minute. How many pounds of apples do I eat a year? 17. 17, apparently. Well, that's what it yeah, said on personally. average. <laughs> but that's what he said on average. And no, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm throwing the, that, those numbers off because I don't eat that many apples. Yeah. So that must be like, that might mean somebody's eating 34 pounds of apples. And Elliot, our third <laughs> yeah. Clubhouse host, is really throwing it off by his famed hatred of all fruits. Yeah, he doesn't. Well, right. yeah, I mean, he, he eats he eats like somebody whose parents are away for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and he's tricked the babysitter or something. It is. I feel like fruit was definitely more of a dessert to most people before good candy came along. Once Once really sugared up industrial candy came it was like what is fruit i guess it's just this mealy stuff i could have forget it can i say on this topic we signed up for uh, imperfect food deliveries during the pandemic like early this on is not an ad, like, by the way not an ad 
Uh, (laughs) when it was like, how do we get food? You know, like what, what can we do? Like all the like delivery slots are gone. Like people were panicking about things and, and we, we stuck with it, uh, just cause it was, uh, convenient. And then we were away for a long time and we like have moved near better grocery stores and we weren't getting it. And today I realized like we are getting a delivery we didn't want and it has a bunch of apples in it. And I'm like, I'm already like strategizing. I'm like, uh, I guess I could make a, like an apple galette, uh, cause I don't want to eat them in an unadulterated form. I need to, as you say, like candy them up a little bit, <laughs> turn them into an acceptable dessert. I think it would be impressive though, to line up those apples and then just solemnly eat them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quietly. <laughs> like, Dan, what's for dinner? Apples. <laughs> very stern, no yeah. further explanation. Yeah. As my wife and I stare into one another's eyes saying nothing. <laughs> just spite this... eating apples. <laughs> you know, this this next chunk of the show is gonna feel fun on the heels of that, because the <laughs> the next number here it leads into a takeaway within the numbers. The next number is billion U.S. Billion with a B. 13.2 billion. Oh, man. What could that be? (laughs) That is a a high-end estimate for the value of wasted food in the U.S. due to Americans not eating the cores of apples. Huh. It turns out, takeaway number one, you can go ahead and eat all of an apple. You can just do that. But I what mean, if you're you not supposed the seeds, to eat a lot grow of in your tummy. Seed. Well, I mean, the seeds have <laughs> arsenic in them, but I mean, not at a level that is going to cause any trouble to you if you're just eating an apple. But aren't they poisonous? Yeah, it's cyanide, a tiny bit amount of cyanide. Oh, cyanide, yeah, yeah. cyanide. I guess arsenic would probably be stronger. <laughs> it would be bad. For you. <laughs> that would suck if you're sort of a, if you're like a spy from a country that doesn't have a big budget. It's like, well, I got caught. <laughs> they got a big bag of apples. Just gotta eat <laughs> just, just fifty apples yeah. now. I feel like there's like a MacGyver episode or something where he's like, "How do I get out of this jam? How do I poison this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> we we just don't think of apple cores as edible, and you don't have to eat them. But well, thank you. It sounds yeah, like yeah. you're it saying out. we should because we're wasting money. Yeah, like from a food waste, food supply chain perspective, we probably should eat entire apples, like stem and seeds and all, because it turns out you can. But Alex, they're yucky. Yeah, (laughs) that's actually a good point. (laughs) Well, the trick is, and I, I went and tested this before we taped too. The trick is you want to eat your apple from the top or from the bottom. Uh, because okay. then, like the core is really there but it's not that thick and it's it doesn't taste that different from the rest of the flesh of the apple and so if you eat from especially the bottom you're like spreading the core across your bites in a way where it helps now what about the very bottom and very top where there's like there's a little like star of vegetable matter and then there's the stem I mean, you can eat it. Yeah, I, I ate that star, and I thought it would be weirder. The stem uh-huh. was, like, tough. I, I ended up just throwing out the stem. Oh, but okay. yeah. biologically, you can eat it. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. <laughs> you can do a lot of things biologically. <laughs> Not all of them are good. You can eat paper. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We waste like so much money leather, not right? eating paper. 
<laughs> the the flesh of the apple is apparently biologically an extension of the stem. It's called the hypanthium. And so it's okay. all kind of the same to your body. The one thing you can't do is eat so many apple seeds that you give yourself cyanide poisoning. Yeah. Don't do that. NPR has the math of it, and apparently apple seeds contain something called amygdalin, and when we digest it, the amygdalin can release a little bit of cyanide. But if you're an adult human weighing 132 pounds, you would need to eat at least 25 apples <laughs> worth of seeds to feel any impact. What if I weigh significantly yeah. more than 132 pounds? Oh, to be that pounds. adult human. Then <laughs> <laughs> you like can have even more apples. Yay! Yeah, yeah right. Push it up. Perfect. Throw it in a blender. I do eat a lot of fruit in my smoothies, uh, along with protein oh, powder go. and whatnot. Uh and yeah. uh yeah i feel like smoothified fruit is uh is a big thing for me this is the part in the podcast where we mentioned that Stuart is jacked oh yeah i'm super jacked <laughs> oh heck yeah um it's all that apple muscle it's all that apple muscle although i don't usually put apples in my smoothies <laughs> i but tried now- an apple smoothie once but I also failed to put any ice in it. So it was oh. sort of just <laughs> smushed apple uh, and no sugar. It was, you know, not good. Yeah, yeah, more of an apple sauce. Speaking of drinking apples, my wife, uh, my wife, who's also a bartender, <laughs> uh, my wife, who's also a bartender, she had a, a friend of hers come in and visit her at the bar. And he's a guy who does not drink. Uh, he's not much of a drinker, but he came in one afternoon and he sat down at the bar, obviously exhausted. And she's like, what's up? And he's like, oh, I just came from my ex-wife's father's funeral or something like that. Uh, and he was <laughs> he was like emotionally wiped out. He's like, I need a drink. She's like, oh, okay. He's like, what do you want? He goes, I'll have a martini. And she's like, uh, do you have any preference? He's like, apple. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, my friend, that's a different thing. <laughs> that's a... <laughs> Uh, and that's my favorite way to order a martini is oven a martini apple <laughs> martini apple like it's a shot in a brew is very good like, that's very good yeah yeah I uh, I I knew a, a woman who was working a brunch service and this table in Park Slope of course just to paint a full picture and this uh, mm-hmm. after this table placed their order this woman just held out an orange and the server's like what's this she goes for my mimosa so I like the idea of somebody showing up. Her own orange. So like showing up to a bar and being like, "Hey, uh, bartender, can you make me a martini?" and holds out an apple. And could you put a little bit of this in there? Is this a pickup artist technique? I... Yeah, yeah. I pull it on my oversized hat. I know there's peacocking. Is this mm-hmm. something like? hamstering where you like pull out food from your cheeks like yeah. <laughs> got some I do like to call it hamstering oh. yeah. <laughs> hamsters are cute that's why we use that term <laughs> what uh, and I'm gonna link a video the, the recent person on the internet to popularize it was Eli Aroth of foodbeast.com but they made a video of how to best eat an entire apple from the bottom and mm. I did it and it was weirdly normal feeling like the one weird thing was that i felt like i should be done about two-thirds of the way through because i'm used to eating less apple i was like how is there more apple left this is crazy it's kind of like the opposite of an unboxing video (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. 
just a guy eating the whole apple. <laughs> but uh, you can do it. And the, the next number here is five, because five is the general number of seed pockets in most apples. It turns out, like, when you're cutting up an apple, opening one up, they have five seed pockets, which are technically called carpels. And each of those can have seeds or not. It depends how the apple grew. But it's a set of five evenly spaced things, which brings us to another mini takeaway number two. Apples are sort of kind of pentagrams. Nice. Dan and Stu don't know this, but the episode before this one is about pentagrams, just the whole subject. And oh, it turns okay. out apples, okay. like especially if you cut it through the middle horizontally, you'll see a pentagram shape in there. And pentagrams are an ancient mystical symbol across many cultures that has helped create a lot of apple myths, uh, that that like secret pentagram inside an apple. Uh, Maybe that's why they're so popular. Among witches? Witches, heavy metal dudes. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of part of it. Yeah. Dudes yeah. and their apples. Yeah, dudes and yeah, like their apples. Yeah, like how Metallica's always up there eating apples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and the, the pentagram symbol, it also might be part of why apples became a candidate for the fruit of the tree of knowledge in the Bible. Because yeah. uh, people said, oh, there's this mystical symbol in here. Maybe that is one reason this could be the fruit they ate in the Garden of Eden and, and the tree of knowledge. Yeah, but that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, so it's like if you eat a pentagram, then you have to wear clothes. Is that sort of the? I'm not. I'm not a Bible scholar. No bibliologist. Mm-hmm. That's I most also, of the book. That idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I also hope that it wasn't an apple. You know, because it it isn't specified. It just became an apple. Right. Yeah. No, I just hope it was a better fruit. Like if they're gonna be cursed. What should it have been? Just yeah. an apple. Yeah, give, I mean, me a, give, me a, give me a fruit I don't know, replacement. Like a, like a replacement. mango? I mean, mangoes are so hot right now. Are they, they are the naughtiest fruit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> One of the hardest to cut up for this guy. Because Dan, Dan's right. The Bible is not specific. The original Hebrew, they just say it was a fruit. Mm-hmm. And apparently in especially Eastern Christian churches, they depict it as a fig. A fig is the big competitor, partly because that would grow better in the yeah. Middle East. And uh, and also because a lot of paintings show them, like, after they eat it, they do say, oh, I want to cover myself. I want some kind of clothes. The leaves of a fig tree are a better fit for that purpose than apple leaves. Yeah. Right. because the leaves of a fig tree roughly could cover the male genitalia with how the fig leaf is shaped. Just like, you know, ooh, yeah. I gotta look up this leaf. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to look up male <laughs> genitalia. Is there anywhere yeah, in the internet yeah, I can find looking pictures? For something to wear. <laughs> I'm just saying it has like, you know, I don't, I don't want to go into detail, but yeah, yeah sure. No, I'll sort see of it the myself. outline. Oh yeah. Oh sure. yeah, yeah. Oh wow, cool. Okay, so we learned something today. <laughs> The next number here, it's another year. It is 1666, because 1666 is when Isaac Newton started telling people this story of an apple falling from a tree and inspiring his insights about gravity. And this myth is weird because I thought it was just totally made up, but it turns Mm -hmm. out Newton personally told people that this happened. So it it might be exaggerated. (laughs) It might not have hit him in the head, but he was out there like promoting this idea. I like that because it turns him into like the 
original kind of Bill Nye the Science Guy, where he's like, "Look, I'm surrounded by a bunch of idiots who don't understand gravity. I gotta <laughs> put this in a way you understand." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, Isaac Newton's just standing in front of a brick wall, and he's like. Has anybody ever <laughs> been standing under an apple tree and an apple fall right on their head? Bonk. <laughs> and uh, next number here, another year, 1976. Because that's the year when Steve Jobs picked the name Apple for him and his partner's computer company. And it turns out the first Apple logo was a super intricate woodcut type drawing of Isaac Newton under an apple tree. Huh. It, it was like a whole, almost like you'd find it in an old book. Yeah, it looked like a like a Gustave Doré print or something. Yeah, but then the following year, they hired designer Rob Janoff to do something else, and he went with the uh, the almost biblical Apple logo that we have today. So conceptually, was the idea that this is going to be as big a shift as? as like that as gravity is uh yeah was that like is there any thinking behind why they picked apple <laughs> or is it just apple or the, the, were they just looking at a beatles album and, and saw their apple logo and like, let's just do that but different mm -hmm. yeah that's a granny smith i think by the yeah way, do you think they're like uh he was like our, our computers you can drop them out of a tree and they'll still be okay so that's why <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, I think they were going for we are this brilliant and this focused mm -hmm. on innovation. Uh, and yeah, they also they picked it after Apple Corps, the Beatles holding company and Apple Records, the music label existed. So then there was a bunch of litigation for decades between the two. Huh. Big fight. Now, you know, Stu. Yeah. And luckily, uh, luckily, Apple computers won and they exist and uh, they make a bunch of <laughs> money. Hooray. The <laughs> and then they Kill got the sued Beatles. by that little worm from Richard Scary cartoons. That's his car. Yep, <laughs> That's his car. Did he invent that car? Is that why he's, <laughs> he's able I, to that's uh, the only him? one I see driving it. I imagine he's sort of the Elon Musk of the Richard Scary world. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> So a real jerk. Yeah, yeah. I only want bad things for him then. Hates his children. <laughs> when one last number in the stats and numbers, it is five cents. Because that was the new sale price for apples during the Great Depression in the 1930s U.S. The apples were selling for about five cents at the was early that, in the Depression. Was that ridiculously expensive? Yeah, was that like $12 an apple? That was cheap. Yeah, it was a low price. Oh, yeah, it was a low price. Okay. Well, okay. Hold on. Then, then all old people have been lying to us because I feel like, you know, they always talk about in the old days. Oh, you know, five cents for a picture show. You know, uh -huh. and you're telling me that a picture show and an apple are going to be priced the same? Come on, Stu. Yeah, Come I mean, on, Stuart. that was before factory farms, though, Dan. So it was probably harder to get apples. You'd have to, like, go and find them on the ground or, like, find a worm driving one around. Or... <laughs> but apples do loom large in my conception of the Great Depression. I <laughs> just like, like, I just imagine yeah. people with little, you know, cigarette boxes. Like, well, not like the cigarette girl style, like, you know, you know what I'm talking what? about. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Bo you wear boxes around. full of apples. Yeah, <laughs> Uh huh. It's and like that book. It's like that book, The Apple Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
And yeah, the short answer is it was just harder to get apples back then. We didn't have factory farming. But the the short answer for why we think of it is that there was basically a brief multi-level marketing scheme for apples in 1930. <laughs> what happens is 1929... What, like a tulip fever thing where like in, in uh, oh. the Netherlands where uh, the price of tulips went up because of speculators and whatnot or... It was it was almost the reverse. What happened is fall of 1929, there happened to be a huge apple bumper crop, in particular from new orchards in Washington state. And then also fall of 1929, the economy collapses. And what happens is the apple industry starts making like a package offer to unemployed Americans where they could buy a box of apples at a discount, resell them and then pay something back to the apple growers so there was like a very specific commercial deal being offered to people and thousands of people took them up on it. Apparently there were 6,000 Apple sellers in New York City at one point every day and like they crowded each other and slowed traffic and the trash system was full of Apple cores. And so this raised the price of apples a bunch, but then crashed it down to five cents. And so... There was a wave of Apple sellers right in 1930, but then they all stopped taking this deal because they crowded each other out. And that left behind this mental picture of the Depression is full of Apple sellers, specifically. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. This is secretly incredibly fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we said the title. Yeah. <laughs> air horns, air horns. <laughs> but yeah, and apparently Apple sellers were almost panhandlers the like oh, wow. university of wisconsin historian stanley schultz says selling apples was also sort of a way to just respectably present yourself as begging for money and so God. occasionally somebody doing well would like buy one apple for 50 cents to mainly donate to the person so, so that was also kind of a mm. low-key begging that was going on yeah, I wonder if there was like a Fagan-esque character organizing all the Apple sellers, trying to rake in the big bucks. <laughs> the Apple full dodger. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so full of apples. <laughs> I can't pick any pockets. My tummy hurts. <laughs> I had too many apples. I ate the whole thing. Bottom to stem. Right. But yeah, th those are a couple takeaways and all our stats and numbers. We, uh, we are going to take a short break, then come back with a couple more takeaways about a battle for the origin of apples. Ooh. Did a lot of people die? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. Armies of elves and orcs. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, as you know, supporters of SIF directly through MaximumFun.org, MaximumFun.org slash join is the link to become one. Those supporters are the only reason this podcast exists. It's an employee-owned company. These are artist-owned podcasts. We, we depend on listeners caring about that and thinking that's awesome for any of this to happen. If you could possibly join in that effort, that would be uh, incredible. I, I hesitated to say incredible because it's part of the name of the podcast, but you know what? It's just gosh darn appropriate. It's exactly what it is. Additional to that support, stretching out that support, making it go a little bit farther, is a wonderful company called Wild Grain. Wild Grain sends you Bake From Frozen sourdough breads and Bake From Frozen fresh pastas and Bake From Frozen artisanal 
pastries. Those are the three best foods, sourdough breads, fresh pastas, artisanal pastries. You get all of them from Wild Grain. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. Also, Wild Grain is based in Boston and rooted in that community. For every new member, Wild Grain donates six meals to the Greater Boston Food Bank. So you can eat good and do good all at the same time. Bread is such a staple, at least in in our household, you really want to have that. And so Wild Grain made that feel very easy. I could just fire up a new loaf of incredible sourdough anytime we need it. It's just right there in the freezer ready to go. And there's nothing like it. There's no other company offering that kind of experience and that kind of situation. So let's get you set up with that. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash SIFPod to start your subscription. You heard me right, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash SIFPod. That's wildgrain.com slash SIFPod, or you can use promo code SIFPod at checkout. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So, I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them, and then you just stay there like, like really quiet and try and creep them out. <laughs> it's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. And we're back and we're diving into takeaway number three. Apples come from Kazakhstan. The country of Kazakhstan in Asia, that is where all apples originated and descended from. The OG Apple Prime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this like part of the the mythology of apples? Is this like, is this is uh, this apples' religious belief? Is that they all come from Kazakhstan? Or... <laughs> Kazakhstan. No, I, I think, Kazakhstan. Sorry. I think. No, they're like what? This is literally the right. fertile crescent for apples. Just you're saying this is the yeah apple ground zero. Did we genetically test the apples and look at apple DNA and like compare it to like (laughs) apple residue found like in a mummy's stomach or something? (laughs) You claim that you're of Irish descent, but here it says you are 23% uh, crab apple, actually. (laughs) Yeah, they they checked DNA and, and to this day it is the center of apple biodiversity. Wow. Is a location in the Tian Shan Mountains of eastern Kazakhstan near China. Can I go? Can I go on like a like an excursion or some kind of uh, 
Apple tourism to go yeah. to like learn about this? Is this a big deal in Kazakhstan? I'm linking a BBC piece about people going to a wild forest of apple trees where apparently the flavors are bonkers. In, in modern apple growing, there's a lot of grafting and specific work to make apples match. But okay. apples are what is called heterozygous in a big way. And so each seed could be a totally new variety of apple. And in these wild forests, apparently you get totally novel flavors that just happen as they grow. So people go there to do some apple tripping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Basically, um, yeah. Yeah. Like extreme apple experiences. Yeah. Sorry, I was just you know, uh, dance fantasizing about idea what delicious apples apple he could, experiences, he could what those might be. <laughs> I'm thinking of the marketing materials for extreme apple experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently some of them have like a sweet honey flavor. Some of them taste like various berries you would think of. And there, it, it seems like if you're the kind of person who's into apple picking or fresh apple donuts... Kazakhstan is the place to go. Yeah, and I'm curious about these Kazakhstan apples. Yeah, in in particular, the big city of Almaty, the largest city in Kazakhstan. Apparently, the name comes from an earlier name, Almaada, which translates as "father of apples." Wow! Because people there at least have had a general idea going back a long, long time that it's where apples come from. And there's so many apples there, it's common for apple tree seedlings to grow through cracks in the sidewalks of the city. You know, if only they had the patent. If only they had copyrighted those apples when they had the chance. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. I think at the least, they that city should be called the Big Apple, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> they can have city it. City of Daddy Apples. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they should just have tourism t-shirts that have an apple on it that just says daddy across it. Daddy apple. I mean, it'd work for me. I'd buy yeah, 10 yeah, of those yeah. tank tops. Yeah, the, the other apple culture thing I like there is that Kazakhstan is the location of the main Russian space launch facility. It's mm -hmm. called Baikonur Cosmodrome. And we'll have a picture linked of what is apparently the traditional celebration for cosmonauts who land in that area, which is to triumphantly eat an apple. Like, the, like mm -hmm. exo these exhausted space guys get handed an apple and they're like, cheers, we did it. And bottom, 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 top. <laughs> yeah. Stem all. Literally, if you, you got to eat the whole thing, we're on a string tight budget here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what if I was welcomed back to home with a red delicious... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's like throw it right in their spit, face. Somebody spitting in your face. Yeah. <laughs> Red Delicious and a medical bill. <laughs> yeah. And it, it turns out apples, they truly started in Kazakhstan. They evolved there for about 4.5 million years and then spread through human trade to the east and to the west, but also primarily through our horses. Sure. Uh, Erica Janik's book says that one apple seed can be transported in the gut of a horse 40 miles in a single day. And so a lot of the first spread was horses eating wild apples and pooping them new places. And that got apples out there. Yeah, I was thinking earlier when we were talking about the cyanide, I'm like, I guess we would probably like if, if I was to eat an apple seed, I would probably just pass it. Like, I don't think it would break down. And I guess plant itself like that should not be broken down so it can be trailed. Yeah, as long as you don't chew them up, you can 
go poop them out and throw you an apple tree. <laughs> Try it at home, folks. <laughs> so for the low price of one apple, I could get a bunch of seeds so I can make trees that now provide infinite apples. And you get to poop outside. And I get to poop outside. All of your favorite things, Stuart. I should be getting paid. <laughs> Just telling the police, I'm a farmer. I'm a farmer. This is okay. This is farming. This is how Stuart became known as Poopy Appleseed. <laughs> Spreading his waste and apples wherever he That went. makes sense. Or we're going to talk about Johnny Appleseed, right? Because that was what he was doing, right? He's just pooping all across the country. And that's how he spread his apples. It's like this guy that caught was caught publicly pooping, so he wove this elaborate tale. Of, oh, well, well, okay, okay, so hang real on, quick. hang on, officers. I know this looks bad. First of all, I'm a folk hero. Second, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's the bonus, but we got one more different takeaway for this main show here, which is takeaway number four. A Soviet scientist who discovered the origin of apples, got purged by Stalin for believing in genetics. Oh, yeah, that was the whole thing. Yeah, it turns out in the Soviet Union, there was a huge anti-genetics movement, especially in the 1930s. And mm -hmm. so there is a discoverer of this Kazakh origin of apples, but for that and other work, he was thrown in jail. Mm. Mm. Apples. <laughs> apples so claim another life. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to blame the apples on this one. Yeah, okay. The real Red Scare is having to eat an apple. Yeah. <laughs> Was he given like an ironic Soviet punishment of like he could only eat apples for the rest of his life? Oh, if only. They, were, they weren't that fun about it. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly just shooting. <laughs> they weren't creative and fun in Soviet jail? Hmm. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's for a to. future episode on gulags. Right. <laughs> yeah, this, this story, it's basically a battle between two Soviet scientists. Uh, one of them is Nikolai Vavilov, who discovered the origin of apples. In September of 1929, he visited Kazakhstan, and he wrote, quote, I could see with my own eyes that I had stumbled upon the center of origin for the apple. He really didn't have a lot of hard data and no DNA, but he just used using the principles of genetics, figured out that the origin point was those mountains near Almaty in Kazakhstan. Huh. He met Daddy see... Apples. Yeah, and I can see Dan already <laughs> cooking up a screenplay in his head right now about uh, two feuding Soviet scientists <laughs> and the origin of apples. <laughs> I mean, not to take anything away from this poor scientist who... Was punished yeah, enough, on him. Yeah, punished enough on him. by the, <laughs> the government, but it's not exactly the imitation game of the invention of like computers to be like, hey guys, I found out where apples came from, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, cool. Right. I mean, like, that's kind of cool that you were able to track it, but it doesn't really you don't shift think the universe in any way. Right before the opening credits, there's going to be like some solemn music playing and then text over the screen. And today we know them as apples, and we eat a lot of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did learning where they come from change any of that? Not really, no. but that was pretty nope. neat. That's <laughs> <laughs> fair, yeah. <laughs> and the, I, I guess the big practical use of figuring out this kind of stuff is for growing better crops and feeding more people. Okay, and now you're selling me. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't have any money to make this movie, but your pitch is well, yeah, getting more we, interesting. From what I know, like when we domesticated apples and, and things like the Red Delicious mistake, it's like when we, we start to get this genetic bottleneck, we limit sort of the diversity of apples and then we could have some problems, right? Like some sort of pestilence that wipes out apples. So if you know where daddy apples is, you can go get some of his like rad sort of diverse DNA, introduce ah. it to your modern apples and make them taste better or be more resilient to problems. Um, yeah. yeah. Wasn't that, yeah, wasn't that a problem? I feel like I read that about your favorite, the banana or something that like w one type of banana became the most popular by far. And now it's susceptible to disease. Yeah, we, we've done a few banana monocultures. We had one called the Gros Michel that pretty much all died. And then we had the Cavendish now. Ah, Cavendish. Uh, the Cavendish yes. could all die. Yeah. And then we'd need something else. And that's kind of banana cultivation. It's just constantly coming up with one banana to grow everywhere. And apples, apparently, more than 90% of U.S. production is just 15 kinds, including the Red Delicious and the Golden Delicious. And so... To me, like only 13 actually good kinds. And that's tough. That, that's not very many. But Kazakhstan has these forests of a bunch more. Hmm. Infinite varieties. Yeah. Infinite. Does apples. Kazakhstan yeah. also have WMDs? <laughs> I'm just saying, do they also have WMDs lying around for, you know, that we need to check out? <laughs> a lot of people don't know Katie is also the George W. Bush administration. And so that's one of her main things yeah. is to. Uh, <laughs> We need to replace our strategic apple supply. <laughs> the daddy axis of apple evil. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> so the we have Nikolai Vavilov figures this out in 1929. Unfortunately, that's right when another scientist named Trofim Lysenko becomes basically the top Soviet scientist, mm -hmm. mostly because of his politics. Apparently, Lysenko was a politically perfect Marxist scientist. He was born into a peasant family, illiterate until age 13, only went to school because of the Russian Revolution opening spots for him, and he was known as the barefoot scientist. He was considered, like, humble and of the people, and so he was Stalin's favorite. Like like the barefoot Contessa of He's Soviet science. He's a lot science. like, yeah. <laughs> Similar social media presence. <laughs> but and so he he was so Marxist, he basically rejected genetics in, in a way that is a little hard to understand. But he he believed that Marxism says environment alone can shape us. And so in mm. his reading, plants and animals should work that way, too, just because Marxism is so true. Uh, yeah. And he also believed that the acquired characteristics of an individual can be passed on to their offspring, which is not really how stuff works. And so it's sort of a Soviet Lamarckism. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Soviet Lamarckism. And mm -hmm. the problem is the Soviet... It's a lot, of, a lot of big ideas from a guy who doesn't wear shoes, right? <laughs> <laughs> riddled with pinworm. Riddled with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I also like the idea that like... I don't know. He's arguing like a squirrel or something. He's like, don't you see? It's only the situation that has created this need for acorns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty accurate description of him. Let's put you over here and give you some risotto. <laughs> Just be a human, Nibbles. You can do it. If you yeah. imagine you're a human, you can be a human, Nibbles. 
Yeah, apparently he would like take winter wheat and say we can just grow it in spring if we try hard, and then take spring wheat and say we can grow it in winter if we just try hard. Like it, it was. Oh, I think I remember this guy. Was he the one that kind of inadvertently killed a lot of people through starvation? <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> yeah, one key source here is Sam Keen, who's an amazing writer and podcaster, and he says, "quote It's impossible to say for sure, but Trofim Lysenko probably killed more human beings than any individual scientist in history." Wow! Yeah. So he was the best. He thought he could, you know, grow these. This is this is toxic positivity at its worst. <laughs> yeah, at its worst. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, basically Stalin relentlessly backed him and put him in charge of the whole Soviet food supply, and he caused massive famines. <laughs> like he he caused the wow. wheat, rye, potatoes, and beets to totally fail, to name a few crops. And and those are some of my favorite crops. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and then also, so Lysenko is causing all these crop failures, but. The other thing he does is a mass purge of Soviet geneticists. Uh, apparently, Russia was a world leader in genetics before this, and then they imprisoned <laughs> oh or fired or had declared insane most geneticists. Oh, wow, we're a terrible uh, uh, species. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. The Soviet Union's not around anymore because uh, they yeah, did that, this kind of stuff. That guy, uh, that guy uh, took an L on that one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Just totally whiffed, okay. <laughs> he, he summed it up, Stuart. He did totally whiff. <laughs> but uh but that's yeah, that's the, the story of where apples come from and how we found out is it's surprisingly fraught. You would think yeah. it would just be easy to talk about this. But the specific country where they're from and the people running it at the time made it a whole convoluted thing for no reason. Took until the nineteen nineties for Vavilov's discovery to get wide notice because uh, they just decided in the soviet union for many years that genetics isn't a thing and that prevented them from figuring out a lot of stuff the most important being where apples come from Folks, that's the main episode for this week. And enormous thank you again to Dan McCoy and to Stuart Wellington for coming on, hanging out. Also, they are two of the hosts, along with Elliot Kalin, of The Flop House, which is an absolutely fantastic movie and comedy podcast here on Maximum Fun. And we want to shout out that they're going to have episode 400 in a few days. Episode 400 of the main episodes of The Flop House. That's that's an amazing landmark, and I think I've been listening the entire time. I, I'm very excited that I've gotten to know them more as we join this network, and also that they're hitting that amazing milestone. So shout out to episode 400 of the Flop House. I believe out within the next week. Just, just amazing. In the meantime, welcome to the outro of this SIF episode with fun features for you, such as help remembering this episode with a run back through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, you can go ahead and eat all of an apple. Takeaway number two, apples are sorta kinda pentagrams. Takeaway number three, apples come from Kazakhstan. And takeaway number four, a Soviet scientist who discovered the origin of apples got purged by Stalin for believing in genetics. 
Those are the takeaways. Also, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show at MaximumFun.org. Members get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is Johnny Appleseed, who was more of a capitalist, more of a freak, and more of an alcohol nut than you would think. Visit SIFpod.fun for that bonus show, for a library of more than 12 dozen other secretly incredibly fascinating bonus shows, and a catalog of all sorts of Max Fun bonus shows, such as special movie commentaries by the Flophouse guys. It's special audio. It's just for members. Thank you for being somebody who backs this podcast operation. Additional fun things, check out our research sources on this episode's page at MaximumFun.org. Key sources this week include the book Apple, A Global History by journalist and radio producer Erica Janik, plus further material from The Atlantic, from WBUR Radio Boston, from National NPR, and so many more sources. That page also features resources such as native-land.ca. I'm using those to acknowledge that me and Dan and Stu recorded this on the traditional land of the Canarsie and Lenape peoples. Also, Katie taped this on the traditional land of the Kumeyaay people. We want to acknowledge that in our locations and in many other locations in the Americas and elsewhere, Native people are very much still here, and that feels worth doing on each episode. And hey, join the free SIF Discord, where we're sharing stories and resources about Native people and life. There is a link in this episode's description to join the Discord. We're also talking about this episode on the Discord, and hey, would you like a tip on another episode? Because each week I'm finding you something randomly incredibly fascinating by running all the past episode numbers through a random number generator. This week's pick is episode 105. That's about the topic of zippers. Fun fact, modern zippers are the product of a Swedish-American immigrant love story. So I recommend that episode. I also recommend my co-host Katie Golden's weekly podcast, Creature Feature, about animals, science, and more. Another shout-out for The Flop House, co-hosted by Dan McCoy and Stuart Wellington, along with another friend of this show, Elliot Kalin, right here on Maximum Fun. Just absolutely one of my favorite podcasts ever. Our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by the Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our members. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more secretly incredibly fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.